Hello and welcome to Living Wow Feminist. Living Wow Feminist is a weekly podcast talking with feminists about the ups and downs, ins and outs, and the emotional rollercoaster ride of living a feminist life. I'm your host, feminist writer, researcher, and author, Jen Thorpe. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with South Africa's self-appointed Minister of Menstruation, Candice Chirwa. Candice is a thought leader with an avid interest in gender and youth issues in South Africa. She specializes in menstrual education for young people and brings eduliftment with her award-winning NGO, Q-Rate. Candice is the editor of the book, The Perils of Patriarchy, which sheds light on and unpacks women's lived experiences of the patriarchy in South Africa. Her TED talk called Bad Blood focused on the stigma surrounding periods. Today, I'm speaking to Candice about her second co-authored book, Flow, the book about menstruation, which was out May 2021 from Quella. Flow covers everything you need to know about menstruating, from the physical to the psychological to the political. It's a guide that every household and school should have on their shelves so we can all be more period positive. In her introduction to Flow, Candice says, having a period positive world simply means that we have individuals who don't feel afraid to talk about something that is a part of them. I think that's a world we can all agree we'd like to be part of. So welcome, Candice. Thank you for having me. I, I love the intro. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Yeah. So let's start with The Perils of Patriarchy, which is both a book and a podcast. Tell me mm-hmm. about this idea and what you hoped to achieve or hope to achieve with pop. Perils of Patriarchy for me was a... I think a, a, a frustration project, um, being in academic spaces, being in activist spaces, and in general being in a space as black um, young women, I just felt very frustrated at the uncertainty of my life um, and, you know, not necessarily knowing whether I'd make it home. Um, and, and there was a time when I just felt so frustrated with the conversations that I was seeing in the digital space where men were just not understanding how they um, pose a potential risk to, to women, girls, and, and marginalized groups, but even then not understanding the privilege they have as men in South Africa. Um, so Parasol Patriarchy just came as a just really like a writing a writing project. I just started off as a diary entry and I just felt so frustrated and I felt that it had the potential to resonate with other um, people, but also in particular resonate with men. Um, and I felt that it wasn't my, my story to share alone. I wanted to share other women's experiences from different uh, backgrounds um, in understanding how patriarchy impacts us on a day-to-day basis. But not only that, also trying to get men to understand that although patriarchy is a system that largely benefits them, it also has a huge impact on their psyche. Um, You know, I always just say that men are going through a crisis of masculinity at the moment where they genuinely don't know how to navigate being a man. Um, You know, they're told that they have to be all these things except be themselves. And being themselves is possibly the greatest way to dismantle the patriarchy because if you're being yourself, if you're being vulnerable, if you're being open, if you're being emotional, um, you are dismantling the patriarchy. 
So yeah, Pearls of Patriarchy is that. It's a uh, compilation of 10 essays from uh, 10 women um, and just talking about how patriarchy impacts them, whether it be in the beauty industry, um, taking public transport in, the co- in corporate spaces, um, in sex life, everything. Um, that's, how, that's how we unpack the, the, the perils of patriarchy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what the book is about. I, I, I took the self-published route because I just, I felt at the time that, you know, trying to get these stories published was such a difficult thing. And so I just took that risk of doing a self-published way. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I've been very grateful for the, the responses and the reviews from people who have said that, you know, this, this, this book is really an opportunity for learning and understanding for people to understand that patriarchy is something that needs to be dismantled. What has the reaction been from men? So you're speaking about targeting men as the as the sort of custodians of the patriarchy. Mm. What have they said? Have you engaged with people? And, and what has the self-publishing route been like? It's mostly only been positive. I've never seen or never really experienced a negative review from a man about perils of patriarchy. I'm yet to receive it. But even then, if, if, I, if I had to receive it, I'd be willing to have that conversation, at least a constructive one, in understanding why they're so against um, having a gender equal, equal world. Um, and and, and, and to, to the point of self-publishing, it really is a very interesting journey because you really do it by yourself. Um, you have to find that information for yourself. You realize that you know you've you've got this this lovely document on Word doc, but you 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 think you have a book, but you don't. You know, there's things like typesetting. There's things like um, having a, a a cover. There's things like making sure that you uh, submit your printed books to the national library. Um, there's things like getting an ISBN number. There's so much admin that goes into it. But I definitely think that. If you surround yourself with self-published authors, it only becomes easier. And I was, um, you know, I was surrounding myself with people who have published their own work and were giving me the necessary links or telling me to go to this printer, go to this person. And it just, it made it so much easier. So it is overwhelming. But if someone who wants to really write and get their message out there wants to do it on their own, then I, I don't think there's nothing stopping them other than just saying, start writing and get it over and done with and, you know, just publish. It, it really is easy uh, once you've found the, the, the steps to it and you understand the process. Um, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed self-publishing Pearls of Patriarchy. It's been, it's been a wonderful journey. Let's talk about Flow. So Flow is a book that you've published as, um, with Quella, and it's a number of you who've published it together as authors. Let's start at the beginning though. Why periods and why period activism? You know, when when people ask me, is this the work you saw yourself doing? I would say, no, I don't think I'd ever, like if I had to tell maybe my 18-year-old self that you're going to be a menstrual activist, I think 18-year-old Candace would be like, are you sure? I don't, I don't think so, you know? Um, but why menstruation is because I always go back to the story when I started. And my story is that I felt that I was going to die the first time I encountered my period blood. Um, And it was simply because I did not have any conversation prior to what periods are or puberty is. Um, And after, you know, the encounter with period blood, I also still felt left in the dark 
Um, you know, thankfully my mom was there to tell me that, you know, this is a sanitary pad you use it like this. Um, but she didn't really walk me through the actual process of why we menstruate every month. And, you know, in particular, the symptoms I'll experience and, um, you know, different period products that exist. It was just kind of like, this is what you use when you start bleeding, use it and make sure no one sees it. But within an academic space, um, I then, you know, found that policy and advocacy was was something that I really enjoyed doing, you know, advocating for for those who could, didn't necessarily have the platform to speak up on issues that affect them directly. Um, and then I came across sexual and reproductive health. Um, and then the articles there were just telling me how difficult it is for women in particular to have access to abortion care or health care or, you know, have access to birth control. So it just made me curious as to why we're not having enough conversations about periods, if that's the case. If we're having such difficult uh, times with our sexual and reproductive health as women, then what about our periods? And at the time, when I was 21, I had only assumed that periods are, you know, a female woman thing. And as I got into the research with the United Nations and then obviously doing my, my research at, um, at VITS with my master's, um, I then unpacked that the menstruation is bigger than me complaining every month about my, my pain being in, uh, being too much. Um, it affects not only women, girls, it also affects menstruators. It affects so many people. And every month people go through a lot of a lot of obstacles just to go through their, just to get to their daily activities. And so that's how my activism came about, just trying to put a spotlight on this issue that we don't speak enough about. And through that, you know, obviously um, doing my TED talk and then, you know, having different platforms to speak about it. When I was approached by Karen, um, who is the author, who is also one of the authors of Flow, when she approached me and she said, let's write a book about periods, I was like, sure, say less, let's do it. Um, because I think it was so important to have that, a book, a guide that normalizes what periods are, not only from a biological point of view, but from a psychological point of view and also from a political point of view. And besides that, just also allowing potential young menstruators to rely on a piece of information that normalizes this process is so important. If I had flow when I started menstruating at the age of 10, I, I definitely know I would have had a different relationship with my body. Flow is that guide. It's the A to Z on periods, but it's also just not only for menstruators, it's for non-menstruators who are curious to know why there are people like the Minister of Menstruation who are always talking about periods, um, because we all have social responsibility in ending period poverty and flow covers that as well. For people who are not sure why you're using the term menstruator, can you explain it to us? So I always say this term, not all women and girls menstruate and not all those who menstruate are women and girls. Um, and what's important about it is that we debunk the whole myth that menstruation is a woman's issue because there are people who don't identify as women and girls who menstruate. And there is a lot of risk and harm when we say menstruation is only a woman's issue to a trans man who needs to go and see a doctor re regarding his or their menstrual menstrual um, period or um, rather the menstrual issue. Um, so that's that's how I that's how I coin it. You know, menstruation is everyone's conversation, and um, it's always important that we are inclusive in these conversations. 
And what's important about using the term menstruators, especially in trying to fight and end the patriarchy and also end um, period poverty, is that even the the TERFs, the trans radical exclusionary feminists, you know, they need to be aware of the fact that there are people who menstruate who are women and girls and that they're not taking away or removing their femininity. They just say, I also menstruate too. And let's just be inclusive in that conversation. Um, so yeah, that's what that's what the term menstruators means. Um, oftentimes, if we also interchange it in the book, we either say menstruators or people who menstruate or people with periods. Um, but yeah, it's a term I always I always use, even even on uh, my platform as the Minister of Menstruation. I always go my fellow menstruators because um, it's just it just allows everyone to feel like this is a space for everyone, and it's not just a woman and girls issue. Because I think the thing is that if we don't cater for a more inclusive approach and thought process, then the services and plans that we develop to respond to things like period poverty and period stigma and inequality won't be useful and helpful, right? A hundred percent, yeah. Um, and I think what also what we also need to take into consideration is that in an, in general, in its entirety, menstruation is viewed as a, as a silent issue. And so we need to be able to have more conversations, not only for what it means as myself, as you, Jen, but for other people as well. That also means those who, who don't see, the, the, that don't look like a woman or girl, but they still menstruate. So it's, it's important that we realize that and we also give that access to healthcare, the access to period products, to menstruators as well. Um, and we just provide that access without any discrimination. And that's partly why I'm always advocating for building a period positive world um, and ensuring that anyone who bleeds can be able to access these, these period products. So even when we're advocating for the policy, um, we also need to be aware of the fact that we're not just advocating for girls to go to school, but we're also advocating for young women, adult women, uh, menstruators in the workplace, menstruators in general, to just be able to go about their daily social economic activities without their period being an obstacle. One of the things that you're sort of touching on is that there's still very much period stigma and period inequality in South Africa. Can you tell me a little bit about what the impacts of that challenge in accessing period products are and in the local context and, and what are you trying to do about it? Period poverty um, and, and the, the road in achieving period dignity is not just a South African issue. Um, it, it exists all over the world. But in South Africa, we not we don't only just have an issue of access to period products. We also have an issue to access to clean water, access to sanitation facilities, and on top of that, access to education on sexual and reproductive health. Every time people ask, like, why periods? Why menstruation? It's it's something that I always just say, you know, if you think about the lack of access to period products, think of just the multiple risks that in particular, if we focus on a young girl, has to go through just to make sure she goes to school. And if that's not using unhygienic materials, it's then not going to school at all. And if you don't go to school, then what happens? You're, 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 you're behind on class and you drop out. And the risk of a young girl not being in school, risks such as child marriage, risks such as um, child labor, there's just this greater risk if a, if a young girl is not in school or because of their period. But beyond that, then let's, let's look at 
if we do have a society then that does provide the period products to young girls and then they expect them to go to school but in particular in our country we have a high sanitation crisis with you know young children are dying in in pit latrines what good does that do for a menstruator who needs to change their bed or needs to change their tampon or use water to wash their cup so we, we have an education issue we have a sanitation issue and then on top of that we also have a a perception issue culturally religiously and also just in general what are we saying about periods and what is what is that information that we're feeding to young children my work does tie predominantly to menstrual education and providing um, access to understanding and demystifying any form of misinformation or the disempowering narrative um, around periods the work that my organization curate does is really being on the ground in educating young people about periods and puberty and sexual reproductive health and we do that in such a fun dynamic way i think what's important is in this in this time being able to provide the content to young people but give them the necessary critical thinking skills to empower themselves and uplift themselves in knowing that they can make um, responsible choices regarding this issue. So besides just curate, I think what the work of the the Minister of Menstruation is just to, you know, call on society and say, what would, what would a society look like if we actually did have a Minister of Menstruation governing us? Um, and, and what policies would we have within school, within the workplace, within, you know, greater society? Um, in eradicating period poverty and instilling uh, period dignity um, and overall achieving gender equality. So there's a lot of education that needs to be shared within general South Africa and beyond. So with the workshops that Curate hosts, we ensure that in that hour that we're with those participants, they're learning about their bodies, they're learning about periods, they're learning about different period products, but at the same time, they're also getting period products to go away with so that they can be able to manage their period, you know? Um, so it's always important that you, when we look at menstrual health management in particular, that we are always looking at it from a holistic perspective and never just like, we just should do a sanitary pad drive and then period poverty is over. No, we need to do more work on the ground. You're talking a lot about young girls at school, but I think it's important to note that this affects um, adult women studying at tertiary education as well. And I think that came up quite a lot in the fees not for protest about mm. the fact that they, you know, if you don't have money for fees, you also don't have money for sanitary products, which are still very expensive. You know, is that exempt or not? They still cost mm -hmm. money every month. Um, so what would be the ideal? What can we as people and as countries do to eradicate these these challenges around Period equality. Um, yeah, I always, I always just say, um, if someone's some some average Joe is like, I want to help, I want to change, you know, um, period poverty. I, I want to help somehow. I just, I always just say, you know, the only way we eliminate period poverty in our world is really to ask ourselves about the power we have in shaping our communities. Um, and it, it can be it, it can be the, the, the little things like buying period products every month and donating it to your uh, local charity or taking those period products and putting it into the workplace and having a box available or simply just talking openly about periods. Because, um, you know, when you establish a, a period positive community, 
what you're saying to other people is that they can come to you and speak openly about things that impact them directly. And it's not only just about the fact that they bleed, but maybe it could be period pain. It could be, you know, um, they, they, they have um, neuro, neurodiversity and they don't know how to handle their period, but they can come to you to speak about these things. Um, so firstly, I think the first things first is asking yourself, what are you doing to create a, a period positive world? And are you talking openly about it? Are you donating to charities? Are you sharing information around the realities of period poverty? Are you signing petitions? What is it that you're doing to establish a period positive world for the next set of the next generation of uh, young menstruators? And, and and I always just say this: if you have even fifty rand to just say I'm going to buy an extra pad or extra tampons and just donate it to someone, that is enough because you are literally changing the I wouldn't necessarily say the lives, but for a month, a menstruator can go buy their daily activities without having to worry about their period. And that is amazing. They don't have to worry about whether they're using um, unhygienic materials or if they have to stay at home simply by you donating or um, asking uh, an MPC like curate to come through and do education workshops. You are changing the disempowering narrative around periods and you're making it positive. So it's really just asking yourself what power you have and what you're doing with that power in just shaping your community for the better. Um, and there's so many ways to do it, but I always just ask, have, do you see periods positively? And if you do, then continue to do the work in donating or sharing awareness. But if you feel that you need some education and information about period positivity and um, you know period poverty, then do the research. You know, There's so many different... Um, guides out there there's so many books out there uh there's people like the minister of menstruation out there who are doing really great work in just normalizing periods and so if you want to understand what role you can what role you have in changing that just just research and learn and read and, and you'll be amazed at what you what you learn and one of the books you can now read is Flow, the book about menstruation. Exactly. So just to flag for people who haven't gone out and got the book yet, the, the book is divided into three sections, the physical, the psychological, and the political. And there's a couple of chapters under each looking at things like what is menstruation, what's normal and what's not, what to do with pain, how you could, what the impact of birth control is, PMS, you also talk about period sex, menstruation with added challenges, and menstruation with a disability, which is a really um, important chapter in the book. Um, and then in terms of the political, we cover, you cover all of these topics um, that we've just been touching on now about why menstrual rights are human rights and how important it is to break the stigma. So you've covered all of this and these resources at the end. It's incredible. You know, it's like a chunky, nice read. It was so um, easy to read as well in short little sections. Mm. And now you're going to make it even easier for people to access the information in the Flow podcast. Tell me where people can find it and what you're going to be talking about. Yeah, so Flow um, is, is about... Um, you know, like we said, it's, it's the aim is to educate, empower, and inspire people about periods. And the podcast was really just getting mostly menstruators to talk about their periods in different in different um, ways. Um, and it just really is that just having the conversations to allow people who aren't usually like you know readers but want to listen, you know, and and understand. 
um, just to listen to certain to certain um, aspects of a book with the different contributors or different people who menstruate um, and what they have to share. And what I love about Flow, the podcast about menstruation, is that again, there's a, a, a podcast about periods. I mean, often I go on the podcast app and I'm like so overwhelmed at the amount of content there is out there, but there is a, a, a period podcast that um, speaks to South African menstruators' experiences, but also asks for, you know, change in the spaces that we live in and the spaces that we interact in. And so anyone can listen to this podcast. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, or Google Podcasts. Mostly available podcast streams or uh, platforms were there. Um, and yeah, I, I think like not to spoil it, but it really is an insightful podcast. I think it's always different when you record a podcast and then you listen to the final product and listening, I've been listening to the, the, the podcast for the past couple of days whilst working. And I'm just so amazed at the different conversations that are happening at a shared experience that we all go through. Um, and even if you think you know everything about periods, I assure you when it comes to flow, the podcast about menstruation, even flow the book about menstruation, you will learn something about period. That's so awesome. I'm going to go and listen to it, even though I've read the book. And I definitely, <laughs> I was one of those people was like, oh, cool, yeah, I'm going to know most of the stuff. There is so much stuff that you cover in the book. Um, you know, just even the, the helpful diagrams and like the colorful charts on period blood are really mm. cool. As someone who's been <laughs> menstruating for like 20 plus years now, it's amazing that you can still learn things about your body. So thanks to you and the team for doing all of that work. It's really cool. I have three last questions that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast. The mm -hmm. first is, what is a book that has inspired your feminism? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> you know, my go-to is always Bell Hooks, Understanding, Femin uh, Understanding Patriarchy. Um, but then I recall how, and this is this is so surprising, but I recall how from a very young age, I think from the age of nine or 10, my dad made it his mandate for me to only read uh, women, lit like uh, literature from by women. And my first book was um, Mallory Blackman. Um, and she wrote this book called Noughts and Crosses. And the only reason I remember it is because I, show, I saw uh, Showmax dropped a show, Notes and Crosses. I'm like, oh my goodness, wow, I read this when I was a kid and now it's, it's on Showmax. Um, and I just remember, and I was going through my, um, my shelf and I saw all four of the books and then I saw other Mallory Blackman books. I'm like, this is the first literature I engaged with that was a woman, a black woman writer. Um, and I think the, the first feeling I got when I opened her book is that reading her bio at a young age, I was like, I can do this too. Um, and so Mallory Blackman definitely was my um, first like feminist experience. Although the book is a little bit more like very hectic. Um, I just think having that, that shared experience of a black woman wrote this book and she's like award winning was amazing. And I was like, I feel like this could be me. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think I always, I always resonate with uh, Bell Hooks understanding patriarchy because for me, what not besides the other work that she's provided, I think her mandate was always to just unpack these complex systems in a very simple way through storytelling. And that resonates with me deeply because I think being within the academic spaces, we have some point to prove that we know it all. But I just feel that sometimes it's always important to understand who you're writing the content for. And as academics, we're writing the content to change the world. And thus, we shouldn't have to make it so 
complex um, and bell hooks for, for, for most of her work has always just made understanding feminism and, and, and dismantling patriarchy a very simple notion to understand. Sounds like they were your gateway drugs. Definitely. And do you have a quote that you love or that you live by? Um, yeah. Um, I'm actually wearing the shirt now, <laughs> um, but I live by the anything you can do, I can do beating. Um, I don't know who said that quote. Um, I just, I just saw it um, on a Pinterest, Pinterest art thing. And I was like, you know, I need to make this a t-shirt, you know, as menstruators, we literally, we go through the most um, when we're menstruating, like, but besides us having to menstruate, we also have to then continue work and continue being, you know, moms or being partners or being, um, you know, boss people or whatever. We just have to continue with life, but we have to do it whilst repeating. And so the point that I make to non-menstruators is that the work that you do, I can do it and I can do it bleeding. And that's just, it gives me power, the necessary power to know that even when I am menstruating and I feel down and out, that I can still do whatever I want to do. And then my final question for you is what advice do you have for other feminists on their journeys? Being a feminist is uh, one of the greatest things I have found in my life. It is one of the greatest identities that I am proud to hold and share with other people. But sometimes in life, other people will not be willing to be as open as you are to change wanting to change the world and so you always just have to be you know um, strong and resilient and I think it's always important that you surround yourself with the positive energy and support structures that support you when all the feminist activists are in you are tired um, and and I, and I always just say that being an being an activist no matter if, if it's feminism or climate change or you know, democracy or whatever, you always will, in as much as you are wanting to teach people things, you are always going to learn something. So always be open and willing to learn. And I think that's just the journey of activism in itself, um, because that will just shape you to a greater person and shape you to provide a greater impact in the world that you live in. So Understand that you will get tired from time to time. There will be people who want to fight with you, um, but always also be willing to learn and always prioritize being kind to yourself. Um, as activists, we often don't give ourselves the opportunity to rest and take care of ourselves, but we need it the most, especially in the world as being unkind to us. So make sure you're kind to yourselves um, and always be willing to learn. Yeah. That sounds like really good advice that I think we can all benefit from after the last two years of pandemic uncertainty and global chaos. So thank you so much, Candice, for the work that you do, for everything that you're putting out there to make people feel more positive about their bodies and themselves. I think we are all very grateful. Thank you for having me. Um, and I truly, truly appreciate you. Just a side note, I <laughs> also had like a major like fangirl crush on you when you dropped <laughs> Feminism Is. I will make it known. Um, so when you were like, oh my gosh, come and be on my podcast. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I love this. So thank you for having me and thank you for creating the spaces that you do and being the amazing person that you are. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Living While Feminist with me, Jen Thorpe. Please do tune in next week to hear more from feminists about their lives and experiences. Take care of yourselves.